안녕하세요. Now I have a reason why I, I, I greet you in that manner because uh, last year, last year I was here again. Uh, thank you, Pastor Vincent, for, for inviting me back. Oops, sounds like a guest speaker, right? Well, my wife so happened to, to sit uh, at the S counter, information counter, and, and uh, a lady walked past on the way to the, to, to, to the toilet. And so this lady walked past and began to like, hey, who is that? Who is this guy? And so, he, so she, uh, she went to my wife and, and asked. I mean, she didn't know that that was my wife anyway. And so she went, who's, who's this speaker? Then my wife's like, are you trying to pull a trick on me or what? So my wife didn't, didn't like, kept quiet for a while. And she went on and was like, oh, look, looks like he's from Korea. So I bring greetings to you from Korea. Annyeong. Anyway, uh, I'm Pastor Danny. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm overseeing uh, the youth church in case you, you, you don't already know. So take, take a good look. This is the person that is, that is always on the other side. All right, with all, with, always with the young people and trying to act young. Okay, I'm not young. I try to act young. All right. Um, so anyway, it's good to see all of you here this morning. Now, this morning, I, I have a message that, that I was inspired by uh, after hearing Pastor Vincent preach uh, a month ago. Uh, he started on this series about how we can uh, impact our community. And so he asked this question. He said, how, what if, what if GTPJ should just poof overnight and disappear? Will people around us, would the community around us feel, feel it? Would they notice when, when this church just go poof and disappear overnight? So I'm like, I mean, I par- I'm paraphrasing. He didn't ask exactly like that, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So I'm like, hmm, yeah. Do we actually have traction? Uh, do we actually have the presence right here in this community? Should God just remove this church? Would the people around us take notice of us? And so that brings me to this question this morning. I think in order to, 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 to know whether our presence is being felt in our community, we need to answer this question that you and I must be able to answer. How can you and I impact our community more effectively for the glory of God? If we can answer this question, if we can do what this question says, then I think they will feel, they will feel it and they will notice it when, 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 when this church will just go poof and disappear overnight. Amen? And now, um, we, I'm going to share with you from, from the book of Nehemiah, not the entire book, but maybe here and there. All right? Now, there are three things we can learn, important lessons that we can learn from, from Nehemiah, how he has impacted his community back then. And so today, let's take a look. The first thing, first lesson that we, we need to learn from him is this that we needed to catch the vision because that's what he did. Nehemiah caught the vision of the Lord. Next slide. Well, would you read with me together? One, two, three, go. And they say to me, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now, when you read this, it may not mean a lot 
to us or even to Nehemiah. Now, a bit of context. Nehemiah was a cupbearer in a palace in Susa. So for him, he was living about 1,200 km away from, from, from his hometown, from, this, from Jerusalem. So it's a far, far way from Jerusalem. So for him, he has every right to like, you know what, out of sight, out of mind. I mean, whatever that's happening in Jerusalem has got nothing to do with me because who cares? I'm so far away. Because I have friends that now they're living in U.S., they can't be bothered with what is happening in Malaysia because to them, hey, I'm, I'm now an I'm now a um, American because they have gotten the green card. So to them, whatever that's happening in, in Malaysia is, is, is for those who are still in Malaysia. But I'm already in U.S., so it, it, it doesn't bother me. So Nehemiah could have had the same attitude to like, hey, I don't care what is happening in, in, in Jerusalem. But he did not do that. Yeah? He, now, secondly, he actually didn't know any Jews in Jerusalem at that point. I mean, not that his family uh, was there. He didn't know anybody. He didn't know the faces. He didn't know their name. But yet, but yet, he, he was so concerned about what is happening in Jerusalem. Now, as a cupbearer, I bet he was living in, in, in the palace. He was having a good life. And so all the more, he doesn't even have to be so concerned about what is happening 1,200 km away from where he is. He doesn't have to. It doesn't give him any, 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 any extra cookie points if he knows what is happening. But that's not Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew that some of them came back and he began to ask, can you tell me what is happening in Jerusalem? And these people told him this, the survivals, the remnant there in the province who has survived, the exile is now back in Jerusalem, but they're living in great trouble and shame. And so when Nehemiah heard that, he was grieved. He was grieved and began to weep and begin, begin to weep and begin to pray and say, God, what is happening to, to my land? What is happening to the land that you promised to, to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What is happening to this, to this land, the land that you, that you have chosen? God. I can't allow this to take place. I can't allow this to happen. And so he began to ask, tell me more. And they say, because they are living in great trouble and great shame because the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. And so with that, he fasted and prayed and said, God, tell me what you want me to do. Tell me what you want me to do. And so from there, God began to give him the vision the vision that he can do something for the land of Jerusalem. Now, I believe that Nehemiah caught the vision because he has two things, two ingredients that, that, has, that is so fertile for the vision of God to take place. Firstly, the first ingredient is this, that he has a heart for the things of God. Because like I say, he was, one, he was living 1,200 km away. He was a cup bearer. He was already serving another master. He doesn't actually have to look into what is happening in Jerusalem. He doesn't actually have to be bothered with what is happening in Jerusalem. But no, that is not his attitude. Because to him, whatever matters to God, matters to him. And so, he has the right ingredient for the, for the vision of God to take place because he has the right heart. He has a heart for the things of God. And so this morning, I pray 
that for you and I to impact our community more effectively, we must have this ingredient, that we must have a heart for the things of God. Amen? And secondly, the second ingredient that he has is this, that he had, he had the heart for the people of God. Because like I said, he, he did not know anybody back in Jerusalem because he's already staying in this new place for so long. He doesn't know anybody back then, back there. So to him, if I don't know anybody back there, it doesn't bother me, it doesn't concern me because, hey, it is not my family. But again, because he has the heart for people, he has a heart for the people of God. And so to him, he took notice, he's concerned of how they are living because he cannot stand the fact that the people of God is living in great distress. He can't... Uh, yeah. Can you go back to the previous slide? No need to come to this slide yet. Thank you. And so he was, he was in... He, he knew that when these people are living in great trouble and great shame, he knew because, you know what, that's not how they're supposed to live their life. So he was like, God, what can I do? What can I do? That's when God began to show him, this is what you can do. You can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, mind you, he was not the first one to rebuild the walls. He, he was not the first one to have, to, to have this vision. In fact, about 75 years before him, in the book of Ezra, chapter 4, the citizens of Jerusalem came together. They came back. They said, you know what? Because we, we, we are living in, 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 in such a dangerous condition. Because those days, the war is their only defense. And so whatever they have, their family within the war, if they don't have the war, the war will not protect them from, from, from whatever that's going to come in to attack them or steal from them, or brutalize them. And so it's very important for them to live in safety and in peace. And so therefore, the wall represents a significant uh, 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 item in their life. So they need the wall to be erected and to be in place. And so 75 years ago, a group of people came together. They wanted to do what Nehemiah is doing. They also wanted to rebuild the walls, but yet they could not. I believe because the group of people, though they have the idea to do something, but they didn't have the vision. They didn't catch the proper vision from God. And so therefore, when persecution comes, when opposition comes around, they give up. But unlike Nehemiah, Nehemiah said, you know what? I will see through it that this vision is going to come to completion. And so today, in order for you and I to impact our community more effectively, we need to catch a vision from the Lord. We need to know God. The people outside in the community matters to you. So therefore, they matter to me as well. And so God, what can I do? Give me, Lord, your heartbeat. Give me, Lord, your vision for these people. Amen? Amen? So this is, this is what we need to have, firstly, to catch the vision from the Lord for our community. Secondly, Nehemiah didn't just get the, the, the vision from the Lord. But he, he knew that he needs to support the vision with action. He, need, he needed to, to support 
the vision with action. And so that's what he did. He supported his vision. How did he do it? Next slide. In Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. Now the entire chapter 3, yeah, you will, when, you, when you go back, when you read, it sounds very repetitive. So I didn't want us to read the entire uh, chapter th- uh, 3 because there are 32 verses. Let's read just the first four verses, alright? One, two, three, go. The high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the ship gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Sekou, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish, fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hesaniah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the next section. Next to him, Muslim, son of Barakai, the son of Mesut made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bena, also made repairs. And it went on and on. The entire book of chapter 3, it talks about who repaired which section, who built which section. From here, we can see that the phrases such as next to him, next to them, next to that, the next section, beside him, and beyond them, occur 28 times in, in the entire chapter 3. Now, this ought to show us that Nehemiah didn't carry out this vision on his own. He needed somebody to come along to support his vision. So I believe that Nehemiah was a great, great leader. He must be a great communicator to be able to communicate his vision so well and inspire people so well that these people come together and they begin to build section by section. Can you imagine? He inspires so many and he inspired people like Darren. Darren built his section. And next to him, Kevin built his section. Pastor Mary built her section. And then it went on. Then uh, Pastor Kwame built his section. Then Pastor, uh, Pastor George built his section. And it went on from the, from the left to the right, from the front to the back, from the east to the west, from the north to the south. Section by section, it was being built. Nehemiah has a group of people that came alongside to support his vision. And these people, uniquely, it's not just a homogeneous group. It's not just a group of people that are only like so loyal to Nehemiah. As you can read in chapter 3, this group of people consists of pe- people from all walks of life. Next slide. It started with Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah and of course the high priest. You can read goldsmiths, perfume makers, district and half-district rulers, Levites, merchants, young girls were involved as well. So you're talking about people from all walks of life, people from all, all spheres, people from all different levels, from young to old, the rich and the poor, they were all together getting their hands dirty. And this reminds me of what happened in LCS, the charity bazaar. Next, I want to invite Pastor Gwen because of his power, of a powerful sharing a few weeks ago about LCS, something great took place. Pastor Gwen, would you share with us? Praise God. Um, we just want to extend our 
appreciation and thanks to the church as well. Because after the LCS Emphasis Weekend, uh, many of you responded to the needs that were posted on the, on the walls. And uh, after the service, you know, when, uh, many of you went out to talk to the children and to our Life Zone brothers and also the, met, met the needs of the, that were listed on the boards. And we are so, so thankful. In fact, immediately after the service just now, in the first service, somebody had, had already committed to give uh, some electrical appliance to Heritage and, he, and the person had left it even at the S counter. And you know, we are so, so thankful for every single one of you who have played a part and been, been so generous because every single person counts. And um, uh, I just want to add on to this as well. Last, yes, Two days ago when we had our charity bazaar, everybody was just setting up and uh, at about 7 something, 8 o'clock in the morning, everybody was just putting together all the stalls and, and, put, and so busy, you know, everybody was just running around and, and setting up and beautifying and decorating the stalls. There was not a single word of, of complaint, not a single grumbling like, oh, I can't believe we're doing this. And when I took a step back, I looked at everyone and, and I just couldn't hold back my tears because... I saw a church that was going all out to care for the community. They weren't doing this because it was a duty, nor was it a chore, nor, nor was it just a call from the church to do this. It was because every single one of you caught something in your heart. You were moved in your spirit. And that's why you came together to put together the Charity Bazaar because you know it will make a difference in providing hope and building lives in this church and through this church and to the community. So thank you very much on behalf of the church and also on behalf of LCS. Thank you. I believe when Pastor Grant shared her heart out, her vision for LCS, a lot of you caught in. And a lot of you jump into action because you say, God, count me in. I've caught the vision from her. I've caught your vision through her. I believe that I can do something. I can support the vision by doing something. And in fact, a, 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 two days after her, her, her sharing, she posted two pictures on our group chat. And I saw the picture and, I, and that, that, that really moved me to tears. Because two families from right here in this church, immediately, they, they jump in and say, you know what, God, I want to be a part of this vision. I want to support this vision. And they, they, they were from all walks of life and they came together and they begin to do something very, very nice to, to the kids in Roma Juara. They took them, everybody out, inclu including the home master, for a movie outing. Something that they, they will, you know, it, it will be such a pleasant surprise to, to, to the home, to the entire home and to the kids. And so thank you so much, church, for doing that. And we need more families, more people from all walks of life to come together to support the vision of this church. Amen. Because that's the only way that we can impact our community. And so now, um, oh, John Maxwell said this, teamwork gives you the best opportunity to turn vision into reality. And so that's what happened that took place in the time of Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah was a great leader, he was a great communicator, but yet without, with just one person, the vision is not going to be able to come to pass. You see, not all of us are called to be Nehemiah. I wish we all can be Nehemiah, but hey, guess what? There's only one Nehemiah in the entire book of the, in the Bible. So I'm not surprised that there will not be many Nehemiahs around us. But you know what? There can be many, many builders as mentioned in chapter 3. 
because these builders came together, they caught the vision from Nehemiah and they say, count me in because I want to support what God has placed in your heart. And so today, though you may not be Nehemiah in this church, but that does not give you the excuse to sit back and relax because you then can say, God, use me. I can be a part because I can be like the rest, like the people from all walks of life to come together and begin to build the vision of this church. Amen? All right, let's have a quiz. What is the vision of this church? Anybody can shout to me? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. okay, let's try this one more time. Everybody, let me give you a clue. Everybody, take out your bulletin. Take out your bulletin. Look at the first page of your bulletin right at the bottom. All right, you got it? I'm going to ask you again. With one loud voice, you're going to shut it out from where you are. All right? Church, what is the vision of Glad Tidings Portaling Jaya? Yeah, that's it. Love God, touch life. And that's what we are, we are, we're committed to do. And that's what this church exists to do. We want to love God. We want to continue to love God. We want to continue to touch life. Now, the quiz didn't end yet. Now that you know the vision of the church, what is the mission statements of the church? <laughs> now you see, because you attend this church, I assume that you know that you, that you support the vision of this church and that you are going to live your life out according to the, to the mission statements. Right? Okay, the, the mission statement is not found in your bulletins, okay? So I saw some of you quickly turning the bulletin. <laughs> nice try. All right. Now, the first thing, the first mission statement is this, that we need to win souls. Very good. What is the second mission statement? Impact. Not yet. Second one. When you win, when you, when you want the people in, what's the next thing you need to do? Foundation. Very close. Very good. Meet disciples. Very good. I like this interaction. Uh, uh, very good. Build people. We, when we win them in, when we get them in to know about God, the next thing that we need to do is to build them up. Once you build them up, what is the purpose of building them up? That's right. The third mission statement is this, is to impact community. And that's the, that's the reason why we are focusing on this mission statement for this quarter, that we really want to impact the community with the unstoppable love of God. Amen? And once you have impacted the community, what is the, the last statement, the mission statement? Rich nation, very good, because that's what we believe in. And this church really is, is, is very, very, uh, our church we truly, strongly believe in missions work. And that's the reason why you see every year we have missions convention, we have missions rally, we have missions pledge, because we believe in reaching the nations for the lost. We believe in reaching the lost in the different countries that God has placed in the heart of, 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 of the senior leadership of this church. 
advertisement break. If you have not been on a mission trip, it's time. There's only one requirement. You, all you have to do is just to attend MEP. All right, would you tell the person next to you, go for missions? All right, because it takes all of us. You see, if Nehemiah, such a strong leader, such a great communicator, needed a team, in fact, more than a team, he, he needed everybody in Jerusalem to come alongside to fulfill the vision of the Lord. Because can you imagine to rebuild the entire wall of Jerusalem is not an easy task. So he needed everybody to come alongside to support this vision. So today, would you come alongside to support the vision of this church as well? Amen? Let's do that. So, you see, Nehemiah didn't only catch the vision from the Lord. He began to rally people so that people will, all people from all walks of life will come alongside to support his vision of, to support the vision of God through him. Thirdly, this to me is a most important lesson that Nehemiah did in, in his rebuilding project and that's to own the vision. We can sit here hearing from Pastor Gwen. We can catch the vision of the Lord through her. Um, sounds good. Sounds great. We are moved to tears, you know, for, for, for a moment. Some of us, we can immediately jump into action because we want to support the, the vision of the Lord through her. But it may just, after a while, that, that, that the passion may fizzle off. But to see the vision through, truly come to pass, it requires this, that you need to own the vision. You need to own the vision of the Lord in and through this church. Amen? We need to believe that this church exists to win souls. This church exists to build people. This church exists to impact community. This church exists to reach nations. And that's the reason why you are here. And you are saying, Pastor Danny, I'm with Pastor Vincent. I'm with the leadership of this church. Count me in. I want to be a part. Not only I've caught the vision, not only will I jump into action to support the vision, but I'm going to own it. What does it mean to own the vision? Next slide. Would you read this together with me? One, two, three. So the war was finished on the 20th, uh, 25th day of the month Eluv, in 52 days. And what all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt great, greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Amen. Now you see, when there's vision, the enemy will come. Because the enemy has only one thing to do, that's to kill, steal, and destroy the every work and the every vision of the Lord. And so likewise, in this rebuilding project of Nehemiah, he faced plenty of oppositions that's trying to distract him, trying to stop him, and trying to destroy him from rebuilding. All right? Oppositions such as this. There were false accusations of the builders. The ridicule of the builders too. Because you know why? They thought people would come around, around them and begin to, to ridicule them and tell them, hey, are you stupid or what? You're trying to rebuild this wall? 
Now, I don't have the exact figure because it's very hard to, 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 to pinpoint the exact circumference of the wall of Jerusalem. But according to a few uh, scholars, it could be anywhere between, you know, a, a, a rough gauge would be about 5 km in circumference. So it's, it's a huge, huge task to rebuild the walls. And so when you do that, can you imagine when you try to build something, people will come, a lot, a lot, you know, come to you and say, are you stupid? I thought you were very busy. If you have time, when you have enough time, why did you spend time with your wife? Why did you spend time with your family? Why are you wasting your time to build this wall? For what? It will not be done because 75 years ago, a bunch of people tried to do it, but they failed. Exactly 75 years ago, that group of people came. And likewise, the enemy used the same tactic. They came around, they attacked them, they ridiculed them. So there were a lot of oppositions and challenges and obstacles along the way. And so that group of people 75 years ago gave up. Because I believe, though they had the vision, though they, they had people that would support the vision, but none of them owned the vision. But in Nehemiah's time, it was different. Because Nehemiah said, you know what? I will not allow anything to put a stop to this rebuilding project. And so Nehemiah said, you know what? We got to own this vision. So he was telling his people, people will come alongside, will come al uh, alongside you. People will come to ridicule you. In fact, some people plotted to, to attack the builders. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do something in my neighborhood, watch out. You watch out for your cars, man. I'm going to puncture your tire. I'm going to smash your screens. Because sometimes when you try to do good, people may not understand. People will just get, you know, because maybe for, for whatever reasons, they may get hostile towards us. And so there were threat of murder. There were plot to harm and kill Nehemiah as well. Because in order to stop the project is to take down the leader. That's the easiest thing. And so there were so many oppositions against Nehemiah and his team. But Nehemiah and his team did the right thing. They owned the vision. And I like what Nehemiah did. In order to help his people to own the vision, he did this. The rebuilding, the rebuilding was done near the people's house. You see, we already established it's important. The city, the, 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 the walls of Jerusalem is very important. Because for those who are living in there, their safety is at risk. And so in order to have the walls of Jerusalem uh, erected around them, it is for their own safety. And so we have already established that, that the, the importance of, of having the wall around them. But you see, again, 5 km in circumference, that's a lot to, re to rebuild. That's a lot to repair. But yet, these people didn't give up in the face of oppositions and obstacles. In fact, all the more they came together, because you know why? Next, next slide. Simply because Nehemiah used this strategy, that the rebuilding was done near people's house. For instance, if this is my house, if the wall is broken down, there's no way I will buy a 60-inch 60, 60 curved LED screen because I'm afraid that people will just at night when I'm sleeping, people may just come in and steal my, my, my TV. Right? And so, they, 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 if in order for me to, to enjoy peace and quiet in this house, in my house, I need to build the wall right in front of my house. And guess what? 
even you should face opposition, there's no way you will just drop everything and run because you know at the end of the day, you can run from the job. But at the back of your mind, you know because nobody's going to rebuild for you right in front of your house. So your house is still at risk. And so therefore, with this strategy, everyone just built in front of your house. And that's all it takes. So with that, Nehemiah began to get the people to own the vision. Because you see, it's not good enough to just catch the vision. It's not good enough to just support the vision. But more importantly, we need to own the vision at all costs. Because at the, at the face of oppositions and obstacles, many of us may give up. And sometimes we may not even have to face opposition. Our biggest enemy today is busyness. When, when, when we ask, how are you doing? Most of us will say, well, I'm good, but I'm busy. How's life? Busy. How's this? Busy. I'm guilty of this too. Because when, when I gather, uh, meet up with my, my, my fellow, fellow pastor's friends, so we talk. And the same thing, we ask, so how are you doing? How's ministry? Busy. Oh, oh because our church is doing this, this, this. Pastor Danny, how are you? Oh, I'm busy too, you know. I just got charity bazaar, I got this, got that. So all of us are super busy. So I can imagine you will be busy too. And busyness is really the number one, the number one killer for all, uh, the vision killer, the number one vision killer. Because we always think that I'm so busy, I have no time to own up this vision. Because I have so much at hand. Because family, I need to look into my family, I need to look at my wife, I need to look into this, I need to look into my, my career. There's so many things I need to look into. I have no time to look into anything else. And so, Pastor Danny, if you're asking me to, to, to support the vision, if you're asking me to own the vision, hmm, I've got to think twice. Because to own the vision is saying, you're simply saying this. The vision of this church is about touching lives. It will always remain the vision of the church unless and until you make it your vision. You're saying, God, I'm going to own this. This is going to be my vision. When you make it your own, you will definitely do something about it. But as long as it is still the vision of the church, we will all just wait for the leaders to do something about it. As you can see from the previous slides, Pastor Vincent and the leadership of this church and the pastors and the ministers, we need you. We need each and every one of you. Not only to, to know the vision of this church, we want you to catch the heartbeat behind it. We don't want you to stop right there. We want you to just jump into action and say, hey, Pastor Vincent, how can we come alongside to support the vision of this church? And when you've come to that point, would you go a step further that you will resolve in your heart and begin to say, God, teach me, show me, so that the vision of this church will become my vision. Show me and teach me how I can own this vision. 
Amen? Because John Maxwell says this, the success of a vision is determined by its ownership by both the leader and the people. Nehemiah alone can't do it. He can't do it on his own. Pastor Vincent on his own, there's no way he, can, he will be able to do and to accomplish the vision of the Lord for this church. It takes you and I. It takes each and every one of us because whether you are a businessman, whether you are a businesswoman, whether you are, you are the elite of the society, whether you are the Tato Sri, Tan Sri, Tato, whatever, whether you are just a student, whether you are just a homemaker, God wants each and every one of you to own the vision of this church so that you can support the vision through and through. Amen? Because you know why? The people that you see, the people that will cross your path, we will never be able to meet them. The people that are sitting right opposite you in the office, God has put you there because God has, has, has a unique purpose for you so that you can own the vision, so that you can own the people that God has placed in front of you, sitting next to you. Those that are living in your neighbourhood, in your suburb, God wants you to own that vision to impact your community where He has placed you in. Amen? Because there's no way... Can you imagine now? Let's say everyone here, there are about a few hundred of you right here. Can you imagine if every one of you required Pastor Vincent to go to meet every one of, 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 of the people that you have that is in, in, in your vicinity? He's going to die. Pastor Kwame is going to die. I'm going to die. And that's the reason why I believe that God is going to use each and every one of you because God has specifically chosen you to place you in, in, a, in, a, in, in a specific spot in your community so that you will begin to own the vision of God for that community, so that you will do something to touch that community for the, for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? And this, this reminds me of, of the recent General Election 14, when the riot owned the vision of wanting a new Malaysia. It's truly amazing. The hashtag, Inikalila. Because we desire to see a new, a new Malaysia. We wanted to live in, in a place where the walls will be up. We will no longer live our life in danger. Today you are thinking, Pastor Denny, but Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, but what are, are there walls for me to, to rebuild at this time in, in my life? Yes. If you look around, there are many people that are living in, in, in distress. There are many people that are living in fears because the spiritual walls is broken down. There are many people that are living in disgrace. There are many people that are living in need of help. They may not cry out, but the help, but the, the cry is there. Because clearly we know the spiritual wall around us needs to be rebuilt. And today, God is asking you, would you come alongside? 
Would you own this vision? Would you make this vision your own? And would you begin to jump into action and support this vision so that you can impact your community more effectively for the glory of God? Amen? Amen? Now, someone said this. The impact of the church is not based on the sitting capacity, but it's sending capacity. Today, we can have 1,000, we can have 5,000, we can even have 10,000. But if we're just going to be here, but we are not going out to impact the community, the community will not know our presence right here. Through Charity Bazaar, we have brought a lot of people to GT. But in time to come, with, with the new initiative through the church, we hope we can send all of you out because it's time to take glad tidings to where the people is. Amen? It's time to take glad tidings with you to where God has placed you. And it's time that God should send you out to impact the community that God has placed you in. Amen? So today, this morning, this afternoon, there's an urgent call. We are living in the end times. There are a lot of, a mother was texting me and said, Pastor Danny, you need to teach this in youth church because there are a lot of antichrists, a lot of cults that are going around. And the children and the, 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 the friends of the children are traumatized by this cults. And the, the most recent one that, that is actively actively penetrating schools, mostly uh, campuses and colleges. It's what we call the Mother God. This cult, by the name of Mother God, is, is, is going around, influencing, confusing the young minds in, in our community. Some of them will give in because they don't know who else to turn to. Because since the wall, the spiritual wall is broken, they have no way to defend themselves. So today, would you say, God, come me in. Help me to own the vision of yours today. Help me and teach me to rebuild the spiritual, the spiritual wall in my community so that from the young to the old they will be defended so they will not continue to live in stress and tension so that they will enjoy what we enjoy the freedom and the liberty because for us we live within the walls of Jerusalem the spiritual wall We know what it means to live in peace. We know what it means to live in safety. But there are many out there yet to experience what we have experienced. So this morning, would you turn to the person on your right and say to them, Are you in?
now turn to the person on your left and ask the person, are you in as well? <laughs> 